Hello, and welcome to the Seven Ways Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Seven Ways Book, available on demand in paperback and in digital forms. I welcome any comments or questions to Rabbi Bailey at thesevenways.com. No numbers, just the seven ways spelled out. In this podcast, we will speak about Gavura, Gavura Week is coming during the counting of the Omer, those seven days. If I were to ask you, who is the strongest person that you can imagine? You would most likely visualize a physically strong person, the most famous one you've ever seen, or someone in a strongman competition. But the Torah tells us it has to do with self-control. Yitzchak Avinu, Isaac, in the book of Genesis, Boratius, who personified Gavura, was not known for his physical strength. Ben Zoma says, a famous rabbi in Pirkei Avos, and Mishlei, who is mighty, a gibor, someone who subdues his inclination, as it says, in Mishlei, better is a patient person than, than a mighty one, gibor, and one who rules over his spirit, is better than a conqueror of a city. So, of course, someone who has physical might is a gibor, but in this category of gavura is self-control. Being patient and not giving in to one's inner whims far outweighs winning wars. And in fact, in therapy, when people tell me I feel much stronger when I don't speak out, I don't talk, I don't eat and reach out for things, conquer the stack of pancakes they say that they feel strong in that moment it's an inner emotional strength so jumping into the first mida chesed shebe where do you find kindness within strength where do you find these seeming opposites coexisting well we defined chesed in the last series as something being unmitigated unfelt unfettered unfiltered so Unmitigated gavura would be unmitigated self-control to extremely fix oneself up, to focus on oneself. It is the message that there is nothing wrong with being self-oriented. Of course we need to give and be selfless, but it is extremely important to make sure we can sustain ourselves as individuals and families. We as individuals, as a prat, back to that parlance of, of the Gemara and Midrash, Zohar, as individual isolated points in space and time, as a prat, that we exist. It's okay to be self-oriented. And then Gavur Sheba Gavur comes along. Not a double Gavur, not a double shot of coffee, but restraint on the Gavur. It's actually taking away from it that we do need to remember that even restraint needs restraint. There, there are times when we have to give. Even rules need rules. My Rebbe, Rebbe Yitzchak Berkovitz, had very detailed halachas, interpersonal laws of how to give criticism, how to fix up others, when not to. Hello, and welcome to the Seven Ways Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Seven Ways book, available on demand in paperback and in digital forms. I welcome any comments or questions to Rabbi Bailey 
at the7ways.com. No numbers, just the seven ways spelled out. In this podcast, we will speak about Gavura. Gavura week is coming during the counting of the Omer, those seven days. If I were to ask you, who is the strongest person that you can imagine? You would most likely visualize a physically strong person, the most famous one you've ever seen, or someone in a strongman competition. But the Torah tells us it has to do with self-control. Yitzchak Avinu, Isaac, in the book of Genesis, Boratius, who personified Gavura, was not known for his physical strength. Ben Zoma says, a famous rabbi in Pirkei Abos, and Mishle, who is mighty, a gibor, someone who subdues his inclination, as it says, in Mishle, better is a patient person than, than a mighty one, gibor, and one who rules over his spirit is better than a conqueror of a city. So, of course, someone who has physical might is a gibor, but in this category of gibura is self-control. Being patient and not giving in to one's inner whims far outweighs winning wars. And in fact, in therapy, when people tell me I feel much stronger when I don't speak out, I don't talk, I don't eat and reach out for things, conquer the stack of pancakes, they say that they feel strong in that moment. It's an inner emotional strength. So jumping into the first Mida, Chesed Shebe where do you find kindness within strength? Where do you find these seeming opposites coexisting? Well, we defined chesed in the last series as something being unmitigated, unfelt, unfettered, unfiltered. So unmitigated gavura would be unmitigated self-control to extremely fix oneself up, to focus on oneself. It is the message that there is nothing wrong with being self-oriented. Of course, we need to give and be selfless. But it is extremely important to make sure we can sustain ourselves as individuals and families. We as individuals, as a prat, back to that parlance of, of the Gemara and Midrash, Zohar, as individual isolated points in space and time, as a prat, that we exist. It's okay to be self-oriented. And then Gavur Sheba Gavur comes along. Not a double Gavur, not a double shot of coffee, but restraint on the Gavur. It's actually taking away from it that we do need to remember that even restraint needs restraint. There, there are times when we have to give. Even rules need rules. My Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchak Berkovitz, had very detailed halachas, interpersonal laws of how to give criticism, how to fix up others, when not to, thereby giving restraint to restraint on society, giving laws to the law. A listener asked me to give a message for each of the combinations that one can think about. The first message in Chesed Sheba Gavur is, tell yourself it's okay to be self-oriented. You can let go in circumstances where you feel guilt, you might feel beholden to others. 
feel pushed to help other people in your family or life or worry about family members. Well, worry about yourself too. It may be unfamiliar to increase being self-oriented, but it is paramount. A listener asked me to add on a message that one can think about each day to go along with the combinations. So I will begin adding that today. The message for Gavura Shabba which we will expand on today a great deal, is ease up on self-criticism. Tefera Shabba where do you find beauty within judgment? We have here the idea of poetic justice, that beautifully the punishment fits the crime. Yisro, the great Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes and tells Moshe that he heard with the very thing that the Egyptians were trying to do to the Jewish people they were punished with. Another instance of poetic justice, Sanhedrin 109b, Kuf Testament Beis, famous story about Sodom, our favorite Gevura place, where people take Gevura and being self-oriented to full selfishness. They wouldn't give to anyone. They would remain prosperous themselves. And they created laws that were so twisted, it gave them a permanent advantage. So when a person would not give a payment, they hit him and he was wounded. This man came before the judge and said, I want recompense. But the judge said, no, give your assailant money because he bloodlet you. He let, he let your blood, it's a type of healing in those days. So you have to pay him. Twisted laws to give them an advantage. So Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, perhaps he was carrying the meat of Gavura as an adaptive person who was perfectly keeping Abraham's type of way of life. Not selected because he wasn't a chesed instigator. Perhaps that's why he's brought here, bringing the poetic justice. So he came there, and someone wounded him in the, in the city. The judge said, pay him. So Eliezer takes a stone and hits the judge. And the judge says, what is this that you're doing? What are you doing over here? Eliezer says, hey, if, I, if you owe me money, pay the other guy my money. So he used this type of ridiculous, asinine a demonstration to show that what came upon him was a beautifully hilarious uh, poetic justice. So you see the hilarity in there as well. There's a certain humor, the Tiferet Gavur. there's a certain humor to it. Yitzchak's name is laughter, so why would the person who personifies judgment and Gavura, two things that go together synonymously, I forgot to add, why would someone who would be so detail-oriented and serious be named after laughter? The reason is that when someone goes to try to fix up a situation, they're taking something that's out of whack and putting it into place. And when something is humor, humorous, it's because there's something so out of whack in the situation that it's incongruous. And very often when there's a comedy sketch, you have the straight man and the outlandish man. So there's a chesed and a gavur dynamic there where someone's trying to be plain, someone's trying to be too intense and serious, and that itself creates the, the, the whole being greater than some of the parts 
of a humorous situation. That's the, the Teferis within there. And we do the same thing when we analyze Midrash. We see what's uh, out of whack there. It's been taken in a profane way, Lahavdil, you know, science fiction. Something's out of whack and exaggerated to prove a point. And in the Holy Midrash and Agada, things are exaggerated in order to highlight a point. Back to this Mida. So when we find balance between self-oriented and selfless, a new category emerges. So in this part of Yitzchak's life, there's some prayer and prophecy there. There's a balance of chesed and gevurah, something called din, we said. Gevurah is also din, judgment. And rachamim. Rachamim is the next step after chesed and gevurah are sequenced. Rachamim is a type of kindness, but it is something that is klal shavaprat. It is something that transcends human experience to shoot up to heaven and touch upon the earth. That is the prod on earth, the claw in heaven. Everything Yaakov does is a nitty-gritty thing on this earth that has cosmic ramifications. So prayer very much goes along with Tiferis. We're here doing verbalizing on this earth, sacrifices sometimes, and that itself is machamim, is a transcendental type of spiritual mercy that comes along. Uh, that is the to Ferris within Gevura. Something greater comes along to enhance the Gevura. God's judging the world. The, des the negative destiny changing to a positive one. A positive one does not change into a negative one. So my message for you today is that we should try to appreciate Hashem's wisdom, His impact on creation, even if you don't see it. See the times in history that have been beautiful and exact. But try to trust that, work to trust that Hashem knows what's best and somehow it's meted out as a balance. Now we go to Neitzach Sheba Gevura. Where do you find Neitzach within Gevura? So judgment and criticism need values. Otherwise, they're just destructive. Din has to be fought for. Powerful ideas. So judgment... And criticism have to be given a structure, like I said with my Rebbe Berkowitz, drawing from Chazal, tremendous Chazals and Halachas about judgment. There has to be a religious uh, superimposed uh, system to guide a person there. And Shmuel Hanavi, I wrote down here, 1618, must be that parak over there, Tessayin Yudches, um, I know he traveled around in circuit courts and he made din, he brought din, it has to be fought for. So the thought is sometimes we have to go out of our comfort zone and take time and resources to help people obtain a fair judgment. It's easy to talk about being nice, be nice, smile, be, be kind to people, but having to take time and resources to protest, to show up in court, to give people the proper judgment, to put pressure on um, politicians, uh, judges, etc. That is important as well. Hod Shabagavura. Where does one find emotional aspects within judgment? Where does someone find that a prod, an individual detail, is considerable, special outside of the claw? Initially, tense talks can lead to emotional release or connection. When tragedy strikes people, very often they become closer emotionally. When people have tense discussions, 
they can become closer emotionally. And I will bleed this into Yisod Shabagavura. Adversity can build relationships when handled right. So relationships and emotion can come from tense talks. It, resolving emotional conflict, family therapy, family meetings without therapy. It's important in a business and a family to lean into the conflict. We need to get used to conflict, Gavura in our life, dispute over the wells. And he clarified, it says, as Lushnov, clarifying about the wells that he had dug. Within Yitzchak Avinu's life, the prod is special without the claw. So we see him exceedingly successful in business. And I think Hojeba Gavura people who have the media in their personality can be very successful in work and business because they're willing to have a certain amount of customer service and self-sacrifice and hard work uh, to get there, highlight the specialness, but stick in the system. So here we need to remember there's nothing wrong with earning a living. It is a, even a holy activity to earn a living. Perhaps the most holy Korban type of person was Yitzhak Avinu, who stayed in Israel, didn't leave. He was a certain high level of perfection. Rambam worked. Yitzhak Avinu worked. Rambam Paskins, it's, it's a religious activity to go earn a living. There's nothing wrong with that. But we must sustain ourselves and strive to do it successfully. Yesodja Begavura, where do you see all the components together coming together within a Gavura Prat specificity? Um, so we said adversity can build relationships when it's handled right. So using conflict to bring Pratim together. Crucial conversations. There are many business management books about this. Patrick Lencioni, he speaks about this extensively. Get used to conflict and lean into it. Business management, families, etc. Malchus Shabagavura. This is really the greatest paradox of all. It is more impactful that you become a role model, a perfected person, than all of the chastisement, the musr, that you can give combined. Very powerful. A bigger impact on people seeing you as a perfected individual that it's possible. The children that you may have, the grandchildren, young people in the community, anyone that might look up to you, it's actually extremely potent. We must work hard to perfect ourselves. Tikkun Hamidos. My Rabbi Rebitzak Berkovitz, my Halakha Rabbi would always speak about this. But listen, we're in denial. Denial helps us, keeps us safe from our imperfections and self-criticism. But we have to titrate the poison. We have to slowly break through the veneer of the denial, the impediments, and keep improving. Getting rid of stress and trauma. Then, Hechsher Mitzvah, Antikonomidos, direct mitzvah. Preparation mitzvah and a direct mitzvah of imitating God to become more perfected. Preparation to become more perfected, less stress, less distractions, less physicality, healing ourselves emotionally, then we are able to better grow and perfect ourselves. That is the message and the mentality. Now I wanted to give a special addendum to this Gavura week. So this past year, I had a real breakthrough with a lot of clients in that a lot of people 
would not grow in therapy. Different people varying amounts. And then I realized that it comes from self-criticism and it's it's obvious lots of people are self-critical. There's no question. But the solution is elusive. There's something called internal family systems that helps. You know, my training is in family therapy that we should try to get the whole family, really the whole system. It could be a workplace. It could be a family and neighbors. It could be anybody who's linked. All those people really have to change for one person to change. Or conversely, if one person changes, they have to make sure that the people around them change somehow so they can change or possibly change everyone. But anyway, systemically, people are part of a system. They influence each other. But the same is true of us inside. We have different competing parts within us that want to do different things, and we must integrate the self. So part of internal family systems is that we have to identify the voices of the critics, and we have to create another voice that's a moderator to ease back those critics. Critics, and has to be done inside of us. Other people facilitating therapists, rabbis, mentors, rabbitants, whoever it is, they can't quite do that work. They really can't. We have to do it inside of ourselves. And it was no surprise to me that there were seven types of identified inner critics. There's this person, uh, Richard Schwartz, Schwartz, more Jews in psychology, of course. So I found the messages to be kosher. Uh, in Freedom from your inner critic is the name of the book. Um... I do not vouch for every particular message or how it's written, but the general ideas, I think, are kosher. And most appropriate for our topic, I have one source in Ruff Cook's writings about people not being overly critical. I've not had time, just being intellectually honest here, to go through, go back over Mishle, Proverbs, Agatha, and those sort of things. But I'm fairly certain they're out there in the philosophy of Shkafa books. And most of her books. I'm going to give a brief outline of the seven types of critics. Within this book, there's a test, or you can look online. I'm going to tweet out the link to that page from uh, at seven ways, the number seven ways, so you can find it. You may find yourself in several of these. If someone has a first meta of their personality that matches up with one of these that makes a lot of sense but someone might have other critics based on their secondary meta tertiary meta culture birth order gender whatever it is so feel free to mix and match and just whatever speaks to you it could be the voices of your caretakers but number one identify with the conformist these inner critics have identities titles names in the book he recommends giving them images could be negative people from your life and in your past. Then you create the other inner moderator voice to ease them back. So the conformist, matching up to Chesed, adaptability. This critic tries to get you to fit into certain mold bases based on standards held in society, your culture or your family. So the inner voice might say, you don't always have to conform. You have to do what's right for yourself. We can't just blend in and become nothing. Gavur Sheba Gavura, inner controller. So the inner critic tries to control your impulses, eating, drinking, being indulgent. Well, that's a good thing, right? No, 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 slow down. 
you know, if someone is not ready to stop eating, for example, it could be extremely harmful every day to beat themselves up about beat themselves up about not being not being able to control their eating. They really need to take the time to do the work to feel better inside and then automatically mamela they will have less impulses. So the inner controller might have a counter voice like this. You know what? I'm not ready to stop this. And the more I try, the more I eat actually, the more I gain weight, the more drinking happens. It's okay to take time to do the inner work of alleviating stress or trauma or conflict, etc., etc., that causes the impulses. Next, Tiferes Shabbat So people with the meat of Tiferes, I've noticed that they can unhealthily rehash the past a lot. This matches up with the guilt tripper. This critic is stuck in the past. It is unable to figure, forgive you for wrongs you have done or people you have hurt. So each of these critics really is is good, but it's dialed up way too much. So if this guilt tripper is at a 10 on a 10 scale, he's supposed to be at a 5. If someone's at a 1, they don't care about what they did in the past. At a 10, obsession over mistakes. So dialing back that guilt tripper to a 5 would be, I need to take the lessons from the past, but move on. Don't rehash the events to be... Upsetting myself repeatedly. Neitzach Shabbat Perfectionist. Now people might find overlap between the Neitzach and the Malchus. And maybe some of the Hod and this and that. You know, I'm sure there's some overlap here. They're not so clarified and clear. Perhaps I'll refine some to perfectly match the uh, Spheros. But whatever speaks to you. However, your Midas might be driving you mad with self-criticism. That's fine. Perfectionism, the perfectionist. This is a very common one. This critic tries to get you to do things perfectly. It sets high standards for the things you produce. I think I cut and pasted from a website that has poor spelling. Pardon that. And has difficulty saying something is complete and letting it go to represent your best work. So, this is common. People won't even begin projects until they think it could be perfect. They won't put it down. They'll keep going. They'll keep beating themselves up about it. So one has to say to oneself with another voice, I just have to do a good job. It does not have to be perfect. I just have to try and set it up and let it go at a certain point. And it'll take time, but it's important to keep cultivating that voice. One person Took a few months in therapy and they got there. One woman did it in a weekend. I was pretty amazed. And I was skeptical, but it seemed to stick. Wow. God bless us all. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yerachim Aleinu. the destroyer. It makes pervasive attacks on your fundamental self-worth. It shames you and makes you feel inherently flawed and not entitled to basic understanding or respect. Remember, hode is that a prod, an individual thing, a person, is significant by itself. So fundamentally attacking your own self-worth, fundamentally believing that you're flawed and not entitled to respect. There is taskmaster. This critic wants you to work hard and be successful. 
I put this with you, Soja Begavura. I'm sure there's some Malchus in here too. It fears that you may be mediocre or lazy and will be judged a failure if it does not push you to keep going along. So sometimes you might rebel or become a procrastinator. Yeah, one has to say to oneself, I just need to do a good job and to try to excel. I can't go overboard. I just need to stay with it. And I, I'm the judge of my own failure or success. Society can take a flying leap. And stop rebelling against uh, self-criticism. Stop rebelling against bosses. You need to live your life the way you think it's good. Be yourself. The most powerful message. And finally, with Machos Shabbat I put the underminer. This critic tries to undermine your self-confidence and self-esteem so you won't take risks. You don't even do anything. It makes direct attacks on your self-worth so that you will stay small and not take chances where you could be hurt or rejected. It is afraid of your being too big or too visible and not being able to tolerate judgment or failure. A lot of therapy lingo in there. To be too big. But you know what? That is exactly what my Ravi or Bitsak Berkovitz said. People are actually afraid to be big. They're afraid to be known and successful, but they're also afraid to move forward with succeeding, feeling good about ourselves, growing. We have to say to ourselves in the inner voice, I would add here, it's okay to take my steps. I'm going to evaluate if I'm a good person or not. And I will work on not being afraid to be a bigger person. One client told me that she's not hard enough on herself. And we laughed and we proceeded to make a plan to do more. But at the same time, that's also unfamiliar. So we all need time to grow. We cannot make immediate demands on ourselves. Gavura is about making sure you're okay in all the different paradigms. It's not about pure conflict, pure intensity. It's about that it, you're allowed to exist and you push yourself in the right way to succeed. And in that way, we can perfect ourselves closer to being like Yitzhak Avinu, closer to Hashem, imitating His ways. Transferring to Teferis week, we have to move away from Gevurah because it can be restrictive and technical. We need the refreshing aesthetics and humor of pure Teferis. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you.